0: What a beautiful image of a God who not only created us but loves us and promises to never leave us. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here and a special welcome to you. If you're visiting with us this morning, we'd love to get to know you better. And one of the ways you could help us do that is if you'd be willing to fill out a connect card in the seat back in front of you and turn that in in the lobby after the service is over, you can hand it to me or uh, to Greg or anyone else on staff. We'd love to just welcome you personally. And we have a small gift to give you just as our way of saying thanks for coming out to church this morning. Uh, but we would love to have a chance to, to greet you and we are glad you're here. Today, we're wrapping up uh, our series called Love, Mercy, Do Justice, where we've been spending just four Sundays kind of exploring what is a a biblical framework for us that can allow us to, to, to begin to talk about mercy and justice in our lives, in our communities. Uh, As followers of Jesus, we we feel like it's important that we at least learn how to begin having the conversation so that we can dialogue with one another, but also in the larger family that we call the church in our community, seeking to live out this calling that we've we've received and understanding what does it mean for us to be ambassadors of peace and reconciliation, to, to love mercy and to do justice in our lives. Now, we've said that our intention is not to promote any particular political party or political ideology. In our our current culture, it can be so uh, contentious having these conversations, and and we believe that as those who are seeking to live in the the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God really calls into submission all political ideologies and all human institutions, including the church. And our hope is here at Faith Covenant Church that we can be a people who welcome open and honest dialogue without prejudice, without pre-conviction, but to really begin to just ask, what does it mean for us to be better together and to grow in grace and trust as we are led by the Spirit of God, to live out the Word of God so that we can be the people of the kingdom of God in this world. That's really the heart of this series, and we're going to wrap it up today by, by looking at another characteristic of the kingdom of God that can help us to understand how mercy and justice can be unfolded into our lives. But before we uh, jump in, I just want to remind you, if you weren't here with us last week, I introduced a, uh, a reading and discussion opportunity through the summer. There's three books. They're out on the uh, Welcome Center counter, and if you'd like to sign up to be a part of a group that's going to read one book a month in June, July, and August, and then get Gather once a month to discuss what we're reading. We'd love to invite you to join us to continue the conversation as we move forward. Because the purpose of, of this series, we've said in four weeks we can't really uh, do justice <laughs> to this topic, right? Uh, and so we'd love to have this be a primer to, to begin the conversation in our community and to keep that going. I invite you to pray with me now and ask God to bless our looking into his word as we wrap up our series this morning. Holy God, we do thank you that you are a God that loves mercy and that does justice and that you have invited us to understand how we too can participate in your kingdom in this world as we learn how from Jesus to live out this idea of loving you and loving others well and how those two things go hand in hand to bring your kingdom into this world, into your world. We ask that you'd bless us through your word and that you would give us a deep measure of confidence and joy moving forward as a faith community and as followers of Jesus to continue the conversation and to learn more how we can love mercy and do justice. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, a quick review, because I know not everybody has been able to be here uh, through the whole series, but we've looked at how Jesus came announcing the good news of the presence of the kingdom of God in this world. And that this kingdom then forms a society of transformation among people who live out what we've learned to call the Jesus Creed from a book called, uh, by Scott McKnight by that title where he talks about how Jesus' understanding of loving God and adding loving others to that as part of one whole leads us to understand that how we live in society as human beings is an incredibly important part about how we demonstrate that we genuinely have an experience of loving God in our lives. Loving God and loving others go hand in hand in God's kingdom. We've also talked about how biblical justice is much more than uh, just a punishment or retribution, but it really is about restoring people to relationship with God and to relationship with one another. Justice is really served when people are are actually restored to, to their dignity and their honor and to wholeness within human society. Therefore, justice, according to the Bible, is really about us joining God in making things right in God's world. See, God's heart is is that we experience, we live out what the Bible calls righteousness. Uh, we, We live in right relationship with God as our creator and as our savior. We live in right relationship with other human beings, and ultimately we even live in right relationship with the creation that God has given us to live in and within God's world. We've talked about how loving mercy is meeting the need and doing justice is helping to solve the problem. We've also talked about how for Jesus, the kingdom of God on earth is really more of a paradox than a paradise, right? Jesus' understanding is that the kingdom of God turns the values of this world upside down and the Jesus way of living out the Jesus creed is what fulfills the goals of biblical justice so that we can be taking the inequities and the injustices of this world and we can participate in making things right through the power of unconditional love that we have for one another. So in this way, Jesus' kingdom idea comes not in the grand and the epic and in the big, but in the, the tiny little mustard seed acts of love and mercy that we give is sacrificially to those that God would bring into our path, that go, those that God would call us to serve. It begins with simple, ordinary acts of loving God and loving others with this sacred love of Jesus that ultimately transforms us first from the inside out. See, it starts with the seed of the kingdom planted in the human heart, which then develops the person at the core to become a person who sees the world with God's eyes and has a heart for God's world through the power of the Spirit at work. The challenge I'd like to suggest this morning is that we have to continue to live in this kingdom reality in the in-between time, right? In the presence of God's kingdom right now that has emerged with the presence of Jesus, and yet knowing that the final consummation of that kingdom, the ultimate healing and perfection of creation is not until the end of human history, what theologians call between the now and the not yet. And in this in-between time, there continues to be sin and evil in the world and inequities and injustices and broken lives and relationships. It can be hard to focus on issues of mercy and justice, right? Because it means staying focused on the pain and the suffering of humanity. It means focusing on the hard things in our lives and in our communities and often our own pain and suffering as well as the pain and suffering of others. See, in the the process and, and fighting what may feel like a continual uphill battle in this world, we can become overwhelmed and depressed and disheartened and disillusioned and dejected. We can shut down, shut off, turn a blind eye, or just turn and walk away because it seems too hard to face the difficulties and the realities of human society in our lives but I'd like to offer us a word of encouragement this morning. I'd like like to encourage us to, to stay the course and to keep the conversation going and to fight the good fight, to continue to love mercy and to do justice and to walk humbly with our God. Why? Because as Proverbs 21, 15 tells us, when justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous but terror to evildoers. When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous. See, there's, there's, there's a kingdom goal in this whole love, mercy, and do justice thing of, of experiencing the joy of God's kingdom in our lives. I mean, isn't that kind of what we hope for when we, we come to Christ and we say yes to Jesus and we, we join the church and we become a part of this thing called the kingdom of God? Aren't we hoping that we're going to discover a greater meaning and experience of life that somehow leads to joy and happiness and fulfillment. And what Proverbs is telling us and what we learn from Jesus in the Bible is that when we experience justice being done, it brings joy to our hearts. We experience the the revelation of the kingdom of God in our midst when we get to participate in seeing justice done. And whether that's a tiny little mustard seed experience of justice or we see uh, entire systems and communities changed, joy comes as we celebrate the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in our world. Before he went to the cross, Jesus encouraged his disciples. In John 16, 33, he said, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, in the midst of this paradoxical reality of the kingdom of God that is both now and not yet, and learning to live in the tension of that reality, Jesus is saying, don't get sidetracked by the the difficulty and the suffering because there's a joy at the other side. And if you focus on the joy, it gives you the motivation to keep at it, to keep trusting, to keep hoping and to keep working. See, in Jesus, we see that suffering and joy are not two mutually exclusive human experiences. In fact, sometimes they go together. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. McKnight, in his book, says we are all yearning for something more in our lives. If we dig deep enough, he says, into our hearts to discover what we are yearning for the most, we will discover that we are yearning for the eternal joy that only comes from loving God and loving others. The mark of our true humanity, he says, what makes us all human is the mark of our need for God. See, what we learn from the Jesus Creed is that when we yearn for, what we yearn for the most in life it is found in Jesus. Jesus is the mustard seed. Jesus is the joy of the kingdom present among us. Jesus is the hope of our salvation. The more we live the Jesus Creed together, the more we discover the joy of the kingdom of God in our midst, even in the midst of difficult times and circumstances. McKnight talks about in his book how in order to reveal that joy of the kingdom, Jesus performed some miracles that were signs the miracles that were intended to reveal something about God's activity, to, to show us something more about the kingdom of God. And the Gospel of John tells us that, that Jesus provided just such a sign at a wedding in Cana, in Galilee. You remember the, the, this first miracle that Jesus performed? See, Jesus and his disciples were invited to attend this wedding. in chapter 2, uh, verse 1, I think we'll have it on the screens. it says, then he called the bridegroom aside... Um, That's verse 10. Do we have verse 1? We'll we'll leave it there. And when we get there, we'll read that. You got it? On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana and Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, Mother's Day, right? Mother knows best, right? Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs, John says, through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I love what McKnight says in his book about this story. He says, wine is to weddings what a tree surrounded by presents is to a family Christmas what fans are to sports contests, what a discovery is to a search. Without wine, the wedding celebration falls flat. The joy vaporizes. Without joy, a wedding is just not a wedding. You see, Jesus reluctantly agrees with his mom that he will perform this miracle. and He changes the water to wine. And as the joy of the wedding returns to the wedding guests, so we are to see, John is telling us, in this sign that Jesus performed, the yearned for joy of the kingdom of God is now returned to the people of God because Jesus has brought the kingdom of God into our midst. This miracle reveals the joyous glory of the Son of God who is himself the promised bridegroom that has come. The the Bible talks about the church being the bride and and Jesus being the groom. This idea of a joyful wedding feast is, is the picture of the consummation of God's kingdom among us. It is the banquet feast that we will celebrate in the end of time in history. We're all gonna sit around the table and we're gonna drink the wine of Christ and be filled with the joy of a celebration like we're at a wedding. Jesus also calls out, I'm sorry, John also calls out that that these vessels, these stone jars were for ceremonial washing, right? This wasn't just any water that Jesus was using. He was using these ritual pitchers of holy water that was used for purification and cleansing for worship. The water in these jars was sacred, and it was used to, to purify people and things in order to make them presentable to God, to open the door for them to be fit to be in God's presence. And Jesus transforms the water of religious ritual purity into the wine of joy that we drink in through the presence of God's Spirit. You see, the eyes of faith see through the wine, McKnight says, to its inner mystery, the way families see beyond a Christmas present's material benefits to its inner expression of love. See, purity before God, Jesus is telling us, doesn't come from water, but from drinking the wine of Christ in our lives. And note that Jesus doesn't make just a little wine, right? Right? 20 to 30 gallons and six jars. I mean, 120 to 180 gallons of wine. And this is at the end of the party after everybody's already had a lot of wine. I mean, he is doing it in abundance. Abundant joy is a feature of God's kingdom, not just a little bit of joy, overflowing joy, more joy than you can handle, more joy than you would expect. The kingdom of God, which is the society in which the Jesus Creed is practiced and, and lived out as a kingdom where, where there's more than enough for all to experience the goodness and the presence of God. Jesus not only provides it, but he is himself the presence of that kingdom. All our human yearning, McKnight tells us, is ultimately a yearning for the abundance of the sort of joy that only Jesus can bring. And yet, isn't that the joy that our world is searching for and hoping for as well. You see, the Jesus Creed reveals that, that what human beings ultimately yearn for and long for is experiencing the love of God through the love of one another. The wedding wine is at the, 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 the wedding wine, Jesus says, is at table fellowship with me. Jesus saying, "Drink of it, all of you, what you're yearning for is Jesus himself. Remember, Proverbs said, when justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous. The Jesus Creed is both the command of God for how we are to live, and it's also the reward of God for those who choose to live the Jesus Creed. It brings joy to our souls. As a community of joy, we are also joy bringers. As a community of joy, we are also joy bringers. Joy not in some artificial giddiness or even literal drunkenness on wine. It's, it's, it's an inner contentment from, that comes from knowing that, that we have an experience of the living God that we have to offer other people that allows us to transform relationships and, and people and even our society, even in the midst of our difficulties and our trials and our tribulations. I mean, if the end of all things gives us a sign of how we can begin now, what our starting point could be and should be, and the end is about loving God and loving others in this fellowship that that brings all human beings together and and leads to an experience of our deepest yearnings of, of joy in our lives, then shouldn't we learn to make fellowship with one another one of the central features of our experience of life in this world? See, it's in fellowship with one another that we begin to experience the presence of God and that eternal joy now. Now, we know this is true for our own community. I mean, we have a hard enough time staying in in relationship with each other, right? But I think as we're learning through this series, it's also true in the larger community of faith. With people who who don't look like us, who don't have our experience, who don't speak our own language, who may not have the same skin color that we have, that don't come from our same neighborhood, that live a different experience of life and come from a different economic status. When we allow ourselves to be separated by by the values of this world, we, we inhibit the joy of the kingdom of God. But when we can break down those dividing walls of hostility and we can reach out across race and class and gender barriers, we can discover that there's joy that we can celebrate. And you know what happens is the world who is trying to figure this out as well looks at us and says, what are you doing that is different from us? How are you making this work? Because it's not our strength. It's not our wisdom. It's when we submit to the kingdom of God in our lives that we begin to reflect what heaven will look like now. Amen? See, we should be doing whatever we can to break down the dividing walls that that separate us. When we get to know one another and share our lives with each other, we learn how to become advocates for one another because of our eternal perspective that God has intended us to share life together. We lend our hearts and we lend our hands and we lend our voices to speak up in the face of injustice and abuse and oppression. And joy comes in the midst of life's struggles because we are not only with one another, but we are called to be for one another. We are for our friends at school, even those awkward kids that might not be popular fit in in the in crowd. If you're a Christian and you're at school, you're invited to stand up for those kids because that's a justice issue. You wanna be for those kids. We are for all people. We don't stand with the the popular kids and ridicule other people and create separation. We invite them into relationships. And in so doing, we demonstrate the love of God in our schools. And we bring the kingdom of God because it's a justice and a mercy issue that we can live into. We are for our colleagues at work uh, in climbing the corporate ladder. There should be no glass ceilings for anyone. There should be no separation based on skin color. or, or, Or it should all be based on how do we help one another be successful. Because as I help you be successful, then we're all more successful together. We are for our community. We're for all people in our community. As a church, we can begin to to ask, how do we plant those small mustard seeds of being not only with each other in community, but being for each other? I love a story that our uh, director of elementary ministry, Cindy Conlin, shared. She went away to the... uh, Orange Conference, and, and they talked about how there's a church who, who started a, a social media campaign that we are for our community. And, and some of the people from the church were sitting at a Starbucks, I think it was a Starbucks, a coffee shop, and it was like crazy busy. And there was just long lines, and people were getting all up in arms, and they're really, you know, laying into the barista. And, and it was just kind of ugly. And so these people saw this happening. And what they did is they went on social media and they just call, did a shout out to this barista and said, Oh, so and so is doing a great job at this coffee shop. And you know what? Her boss saw it on social media and actually stepped out and and said, good job to the employee. It's a justice issue. It's a mercy issue, right? We see people being mistreated all the time in our own cultures. Now you can take those small examples and then we expand those out to the the bigger and the difficult and the challenging issues because we know that those are out there as well. See, the church is often known for what it is against. But don't you think that we should also want to be known for what we're for? If we're for our families, if we're for our community, if we're for people in, in loving mercy and doing justice, do you think that we will have a witness and a testimony to a world that is looking for answers and is looking to how do they find their deepest longings as well? As a society of the kingdom of God, we should be for mercy. We should be for justice for everyone, for all people. We should be for others, and and, and for especially those who experience oppression, abuse, imprisonment, and lack. The very people that Jesus said God sent him to bring good news. We are to be for restoring people on the margins back to the center. And when we do so, we celebrate with Jesus the joy of the wedding feast. Right? That all are invited and welcome to the table. And as we we sit at table together, we are given a place of honor and respect, and we are restored into the human community because God loves each person equally. In our regional conference called the Pacific Northwest Conference of the Covenant Church, the mission statement for for all of our churches together as as a church community in the Northwest is to be a mosaic of churches. Working interdependently together to transform lives and community. A mosaic of churches working interdependently together to transform lives and communities. Wouldn't it be interesting if we as a church became more intentional about reaching out to some of our sister churches that are just down the street and right in another neighborhood? whether it's our black churches or our Korean churches, or do you know we have Russian ethnic churches? We have all kinds of different covenant churches that are, that are right here on, on the East Pierce County, and, and, and we don't even really associate with them. Why is that? Is it the enemy that has somehow allowed there to be dividing walls between us that, that, that we're missing out on the possibility of the experience of the joy of the kingdom? And as I say this, I mean, it's not a condemnation on you all. It, probably the responsibility is on, more on me as the pastor. You know, why have I not reached out? Why have not, I not made those connections? And so this sermon, again, is just as much for me as it is for you. How do we become a mosaic of churches or a mosaic of people who are actively working interdependently together, loving mercy and doing justice so that we can transform more lives and transform our community? If you were here, you remember we began this series with the passage in Micah 6, 8, reminding us of the biblical perspective that God expects more than just religious practice, He expects that we love mercy and do justice and walk humbly with him. Proverbs 21.3 says, To do what is right and just is more acceptable to God than sacrifice. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to God than sacrifice. You see, in the end, we see that our image of the fulfillment of the joy of God's kingdom, our hope of heaven leads us to begin to try and live out true fellowship in the kingdom of God with other Christians and one another today, to be with one another and to be for one another. And men and women, when we can worship together as a mosaic of people, whether it be in our church or with our sister churches or just with the community of God's people called the church, we see the the Revelation 15.4 vision come to reality even now. Verse 4, chapter 15, Who will not fear you, Lord? And bring glory to your name. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. You see, all nations come and worship because God's righteousness has been revealed. All things are being made right. Mercy and justice are a critical part of not only our participating in bringing the kingdom of God but experiencing the very joy that God wants us to experience as part of the kingdom of God. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous. May that be true for you and for me this day and every day in the future as we learn to live into this together Wow! Would you pray with me?